That was fun. I hadn't done that in several, several years. And I will say this. We need a little more light on that stage. For <laughs> so you can see. But thank you guys for bearing with me. You know, I um, you know, we were out last week, and then we got another snowstorm this week. All right. The kids are excited this morning. Amen. <laughs> The, um, so we got another little storm this week, but this one was a lot nicer. Last, the last one I was without power for a little while. And, um, but this time it was, like I said, it was much nicer. And um, <clears throat> actually I had two weeks. To, I had this sermon prepared for last week. Well, you know how that works. When you got to do it for the next week, God keeps adding stuff to it. So um, I... Um, I think Robert's got some uh, notes back there he shouldn't have. Not your fault, my fault. <laughs> that next stuff is not supposed to be on me. Okay, sorry. When we send these things, if I send it with my notes, it throws it up there just like it's all part of the thing. And So anyway, I'll just bear with us. I don't think there'll be any more like that maybe. But we're talking about pulling thorns. Now how many people think that's kind of an odd title? You wonder what, what's talking about pulling thorns well I'm going to be using a scripture in Mark 4 and it's talking about the parable of the seeds but I'm going to focus in a lot of people use it as salvation but it's more than that it's about us you know it's about where we're at in our walk with 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 Christ so I'm going to start in Mark 4 verse 3 it says listen a farmer went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil and underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So he's saying, he's, he, you know, if you got ears, you got ears to hear, you need to have understanding. You need to listen to what I just said. And it does, does hit on, you know, we can use it, and it does hit on on. Uh, you know, the unsaved, what kind of hearts it falls on. But it also can speak to us. And, and when it used, he used the word, so, you know, soil, we know is dirt on, in the ground. And you can, there's certain soils that are better than others to plant in. You know, when we make our little small gardens and we use potting soil, it's got all kind of good stuff mixed with it. So it'll grow. But if you just go out and throw it on a beaten path, I, mean, I don't know how many of you have, we used to call them cow paths when I was a kid and they went through the woods and it's just where the cows always went from one pasture to the other and it's just hard as it can be and so soil basically the definition is just a medium in which something takes hold and develops think about this when the word of God comes as salvation it takes hold and how does it develop it depends on the heart you know when my heart really opened up to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ then 
hey, I opened up and my heart was ready, right? My soul was in the right place. It had been plowed up and twisted. You know, usually you plowed up. Nowadays they do something called no-till. My brother does some farming and they don't plow it up. That little thing that throws it in there plows it up. So the soul is a medium. So Mark 4, 3 and 4, it says, listen, a farmer went out, and I'm going to go back and read these, and those of you who have notes, you can just go back up to the top and read those if they're not in there. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. So we're talking about a footpath, um, a definition I found of a path, a trodden way, a way of life, conduct, or thought. So it fell on a footpath, a way of conduct, a way of thinking, a way of thought. And it's hard. It's like, you know, when, I don't want to hear that, right? You hear people that do that? I don't want to hear that. Don't say that to me. I don't want to hear nothing about Jesus. I don't want to hear nothing about this. And sometimes we as Christians... <clears throat> We can let our hearts get that way. Things happen. We don't understand. We don't know God that much. We don't trust Him. We don't trust in Him as the song said. And then our hearts get hardened. And then when it comes, we don't want to hear. We don't want our friends, our Christian friends, our brothers and sisters to say something. Don't tell me that. So this is the foot. And I'm going to really focus in on the thorns. So I'll go through these fairly fast. And, and in Mark 4.15, 4, when, when they asked Jesus and he explained the parable to him, this is what he said. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So it's easily taken. See, that's just like it can be as a Christian as our joy. Satan wants to come take it away immediately. And if you don't let it sink in, the joy of the Lord or what's going on, then Satan will come and rob it from you and steal it. And you'll be back to where you were. Right back in that same spot. So back to Mark 4, 5, and 6. It says, other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And I know in the King James it says a rocky path. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. Shallow means having little depth, lacking in depth of knowledge, thought, or feeling. Isn't that interesting? Having little depth, lacking in depth of knowledge, thought, or feeling. So what it's saying is there was some soul there and it was pretty good and it was enough to kind of bring it up, but it didn't go anywhere because it wasn't getting fed. It was very shallow. Some of us are shallow in our, in our thinking, are shallow in our walk with Christ. We just want enough to get by, right? We just want enough to get by. And when things happen, it, it's easily taken away from it. In six, verse 16 and 17 of Mark 4, it says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Wow, I hear that. That's good. I like that. You know, we hear messages from, oh, I really like that. But we're not. But says since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. <laughs> wow. They have that. It's that shallow soul. It's like, yeah, that's great. Awesome. Praise the Lord. You know, we can. I, you know, we can preach a message. I can preach a message. Anybody can. And you get it and you say, man, that's just awesome. And then all of a sudden, here comes the persecuted. Persecution comes and you're like, oh, okay. Let me just back off. I ain't that, I can't handle this. And there, all of us may have been through some of these stages before. I don't know. But there are a lot of people out there like that. And then in 
Mark 4, 7, we come to the thorns. And that's where I'll be spending most of my time this morning. It says, other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. So the plants came up, but they were small and tender, and the thorns came up and choked them out. It took all the nutrients out. And you know, how many of you have been stuck with a thorn? It's not fun. Hurts. There's a tree they have in, in Nicaragua, and I'm trying to think. I don't remember the name of it, but it's covered in thorns. I don't know how anybody could ever think about climbing it because they're <coughs> all over the side, just round and round and round and round and round. And they have one at, at House of Hope. I don't know if any of y'all got to see it, but there's one at the House of Hope in, in Nicaragua. And it's just a wild-looking thing, isn't it, there? It's just crazy-looking. It's like... So if something's after me, I better not try to jump up that tree because it's going to get me. So thorns, and thorns can go deep. They're long normally. They're usually, they're different than a splinter. Splinters hurt. They're usually small. But thorns like kind of latch on to you. And uh, one definition I found for thorns is something that causes distress or irritation. Hmm. So that's what these thorns are. They come and we've heard the word of God and we're walking along, we're doing good, but then the thorns come. The distress, the, the, the irritation, things start to happen. See, when I first got saved back in the, in the 70s, it was like, um, accept Christ and you'll never have any more problems. And so I was like, man, who wouldn't want that, Right? Right? Now, God gives us the strength to face the problems, but guess what? They still coming. You know my verse, in the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So the, he, he, Jesus even said, you're going to have some stuff going on, guys, but you got to learn how to walk through it. So this is what this is talking about. See, these, the, the thorn chokes them out so that you become fruitless. You can't produce fruit when that's all wrapped around you and choked around you and it, it's, it, and, and it, 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 it infers you. It, it makes you not be able to do that. So it says the, all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. The worries of this life, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. I'm going to uh, be going over those but I want to read down in 18 and 19, I'm going to read out of the Amplified. And this is Jesus still explaining each one of these. He's explaining it to them. He says, and the other ones, and others are the ones whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries and cares of the world, the distractions of this age with its worldly pleasures and the deceitfulness and the false security of glamour or glamour of wealth or fame and the passionate desires for all the other things creep in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. When you allow these things to choke it out, you allow these things to choke out the word and there's these sections here I'm going to go over. The first one is worry and care. I hear a lot of people, all I ever hear is I'm worried about this, I'm worried about this. That's worry, 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 worry. Worry's not good. And I was it's really awesome. This is the second time this happened lately, which I know God, he's God, and he does things. But I'm watching. It was David Jeremiah. I don't watch him a lot, but I was watching him the other morning. I turned it on. And guess what he was talking about? He had the same scripture pulled up, and he's talking about worry. 
And I want to give you some definitions. He gave a word. But first, what is worry? I'm going to give you one definition. Worry is concern about the unknown and uncomfortable future. What do most people worry about tomorrow? Right? You know what Jesus said about that? Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. Worry about today. Don't worry about today, but, you know, here you are in this day. Let me give you another definition. Very descriptive. It says, to harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat. This is a definition for worry. Pretty tough stuff. To shake or pull at with the teeth. It's like a terrier worrying a rat. To touch or disturb something repeatedly. To change the position of or adjust by repeated pushing and hauling. To assail with rough or aggressive attack or treatment, torment. To subject to persistent or nagging attention or effort. To afflict with mental distress or agitation. Make anxious. Wow, that's worries. How many people won't worry? Not me. Not me. And, and, and when we talk about this, I'll explain this, but I'm not talking about you don't have concern, which concern is planning for the future, planning for this. You, you, you have, but, but worry, to worry about it. I know people that are sick with worry. I know people that won't leave their house because of worry. They're afraid, especially after um, COVID and stuff. They don't, they're so afraid. I know people that won't drive a car, that won't get in a car because they're afraid they're going to have an accident. So I'm just going to give you real quickly, I'm not going to go into what he said, but what David Jeremiah, he gave some definitions for worry. He said, worry is inconsistent. Worry is not consistent. It's inconsistent. You're up and down in your feelings. Worry is irrational. It's irrational to worry. Worry is not going to do anything for you, right? But hurt you. It's going to make you sick. Worry is ineffective. How many people have worried in a help situation? No. Worry is illogical. That's a big one. It's not a good thing to worry. It's not logical to worry. And then worry is irresponsible. Some people worry, and when they're wor- what happens when they're worrying, it says they're irresponsible it's because they can't do anything else. They, you know, people can't, they can't do well at their job. They can't do well at home. They can't do well at parenting. They can't do well at, at, at in ministry anything else if they're worrying all the time. It takes away from your ability to be successful, to do something, to be able to do your, your job or whatever it is you're doing the right way. When worry takes over our minds, it makes it very hard for God's Word to have an impact on us. So when, when, you, when all you got is worry, worry, then it's hard for you to understand God's word. It's hard for you to hear it, as Jesus said it, and you're not taking it in. And you're allowing these worries, you're allowing these cares to overtake you. So you can't fulfill. You know, my thing is you can't fulfill God's calling if you're worrying all the time. If I worried all the time about this and about that, I wouldn't be able to, 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 to lead this ministry, what God has me to lead. I mean, there are a lot of things I could worry about if I wanted to, but I choose not to because I 
trust God. And I'll believe that God will take care of me. He says, I'll take care of your needs. So don't worry about those things. Don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about what you eat. Listen to this statement. And I can't remember exactly where I got this one from. but It says, you can't walk in faith if your heart is full of worry and care. You can't do it. You know, faith, it produces, worry and care produces fear, and fear is the opposite of faith. Worry and care produces fear. If you get in fear, you ain't in faith. I know it's not good English, but it sounds better that way. You can't be in fear and faith at the same time. If you want to produce fruit in your life, you must drive worry and care out. We got to start saying, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to get in God's word. I'm going to believe what God says. And I'm going to go forward. One of the other things in that when Jesus is talking about, if you go back and look at all that, um, when you worry, you act like a pagan. And I'll read that to you in a minute. Me? Yeah, when you worry, worry is acting like a pagan. Someone who doesn't know God or someone who doesn't have a father. So let's go. First Peter 5 and 7 says this. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Here's Peter. We're listening to Jesus. Jesus is saying, don't worry. Peter's saying, don't worry. Give them all to God. Lord, I, I could grab this thing and I could worry about it or I can give it to you. And I ain't got to worry about it no more because it's, it's in your hands. Philippians 4, 6, through 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, that's the problem. We want to worry instead of praying. We want to worry instead of saying, hey, God, I see this situation. Show me what to do. God will reveal himself if you will learn to hear his voice. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So this is what I need, God. And if you... Give it to him and you trust him and you believe. He said, ask anything in my name and it shall be done. So believe that it's been done. Don't worry about it anymore. Well, it's not happening today. Well, it might not happen today. But when it happens, it's God's in the process. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. You know what? If you just can be diligent to fight this battle of worry, you can't back off. you got to be diligent. And when you're diligent fighting his word and you keep the word of God in your heart, and where else are you supposed to keep the word? In your mouth. We speak with our mouth. We can speak destruction we can speak good things to ourselves or to those around us. But, but, but what does Proverbs say? The power of life and death is what? In the tongue. That's a big statement. And we, 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 fly, we, we say things all the time. That a lot of times, hopefully we don't always. I try not to. There's certain things I just don't say. And it's, it's, they're very common sayings. And I don't say them. Because I don't want to speak that to myself. I want, I want to speak life to everything around me. 
You know, if your car's messing up, don't say, well, this car is worth nothing. It's going to tear up tomorrow. Well, guess what? You're going to have to call Don or somebody. I said, you know what? This thing ain't just going to tear up. Now, they will tear up and they will mess up, but, you know, take care of them. It's just like anything else. But what I'm saying is you speak to it, you're surely going to put it in there. Um, but when you start to focus on God's Word, you start to fight this battle, you keep the Word of God in your heart and your mouth, that the Word of God can get so big on, inside of you that it's not a fight anymore. It's natural, right? That's just the way you do it. You're not fighting against it. When worry comes, you just tell it where to go. Get out of your life. And you go to God and you go to his word. It's inside. You won't have to fight it anymore. You mean worry won't come? Yeah, but inside of you, is you've trained yourself to do this certain thing. You know, anything... Nowadays in time, machines and all that kind of they have to be programmed. And they're programmed to do a certain thing, right? And once you program, they're going to do that thing all the time, right? Until something little, something happens. Cars now, you know, you can't even work on, did you know, you can't even work on, when I was doing heating and air, you know, it was pretty simple. They were just relays. And now, you can't, even, you can't even work on some heat pumps without an app on your phone. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it unless you got that out. Isn't that crazy? I guess you could go in there and rewire everything and make it work like you wanted it to. But what I'm saying is things have changed so much. But guess what? They automatically do that. And if we're trained in, the, in God's Word, if we have God's Word on the inside of us, we're trained to know, hey, worry. I don't have to worry. God said I don't have to worry. Jesus said for me not to worry. If that's on the inside of you, guess what? It all, what comes out? What's inside of you is what comes out. What comes out of that mouth? Thank you, Lord. I know you got this thing done. I know you're taking care of it. Hallelujah. You know, this morning I didn't leave quite as early as I normally did because I didn't know if it was going to be black ice or whatever on the, on the highway. And so we waited till the sun came up to leave. I usually leave before the sun comes up. Come in. Peggy was kind of excited. She got to sleep a little bit extra. But... um. I came and, but the roads were, the sun had come out. The sun had come out and the roads were clear. Only, only ice, I saw one, two places on a bridge. But other than that. So I could have worried about it and said, well, gosh, you know, maybe we should just do not do church because, you know, it could be some black ice. It could be this. And, you know, trust you guys to know how to, what to drive, when to drive, how to drive, and all that kind of stuff. But I knew what it was at my house. You know, when I live so close, it don't really matter, but. It only takes me 45 minutes to get here, so it's not a big deal. Amen. So let's go on to Matthew 6, 31 through 33. It says, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of who? Unbelievers, the pagans. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. He knows what you need. Right? He said, I want your needs. I didn't say wants. I said needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. 
Do you trust God to give you everything you need? Do you really believe that? Or is it just a good colloquialism? Is it just a good saying? It just sounds so good. But when you get in, caught in the corner, you do. You know, we, we have to trust our Father God. Amen? I want to tell you a little story about this little girl on a plane. So she's sitting on the plane. There's this pastor sitting there with her. And this is a true story, supposedly, I guess. I can't prove it, but it was told as a true story. And he's on the plane, and all of a sudden, you know, that thing comes on. Fashion seatbelt, we're hitting turbulence. You know, that happens a lot. And we're hitting strong turbulence. Well, the plane really starts rocking and rolling. As much. And so I've been there. The first time I ever flew on a plane, I was going to Tulsa and um, flying to Tulsa. And then I was, anyway. We were going down through, and that plane dropped 10,000 feet just like that. I was like, I mean, you've ever had that happen? It's like, okay, Lord, thank you. (laughs) It's just like it takes your, I mean, it was like crazy. It was a crazy feeling. I've never had that happen since then, but that was it. That was in the 77, maybe. I was flying out the Oral Roberts. Um. So this plane's really rocking and rolling and rocking and rolling. This guy's thinking about it, he's doing it, and people are freaking out. And, and this, he look, this, this pastor looks to the side of him, and this little girl, she's coloring. And she hasn't moved an inch. It's like she's just sitting there, and he finally says, listen, why are you so calm? She said, well, my daddy's the pilot, and he's taking me home. Trust. My daddy's the pilot and he's taking me home, guys. So I don't have to worry. Right? Just like the little girl, she said, My daddy's driving, he's taking me home. I'm not concerned. So we need to get rid of worry. That's one of our biggest things. That's one of our biggest thorns that this is talking about. The worry and the cares of life. Those thorns that, that they they you know, thorn bush could, if you were standing there. And long enough, probably for years, it can wrap around you because they grow like a vine. And then you're just, you can't do anything. You're stuck. And if you move, you're going to get stuck again, so you don't want to move, right? You ever been through a briar patch, similar to the same thing? It's rough. So we got to get rid of the worries and the cares. We got to turn it over to him. And the second one is the distractions. We got worries and cares and all that, but these are distractions. And a definition I found for distractions is mental confusion. See, the enemy likes to get into your mind. And distractions are the things that you feed on. Uh, Proverbs 15, 14 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. Nobody wants to eat out of the trash can, right? People do that that are homeless. And in, in Nicaragua, we witnessed that as people go to the trash dump and that's where they get their stuff. So distractions, mental confusion. All these, we have, and today we have more distractions than we've ever had in our whole life. I was thinking of that the other day. You know, usually when it snowed, we sat at home, we went out and played when we were kids. But there was nothing else to do, right? We'd play games and we'd read and we'd do this and we'd do that. And now 
There's TV. There's internet. You know, there's your cell phone. There's your iPad. There's your this and there's your that. And, and, and people are consumed so much in that till it distracts them from studying God's Word. Though distractions can become your desire instead of God. And when the distractions become your desire, that's what you'll do and that's what you want to do, right? And you start losing that desire to spending time with God, to spending time in His Word, to spending time in prayer. You know, we all need to be praying for each other, right? You know, to me, I told you prayer is conversation with God. It's just talking to God and, 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 and speaking. You know, we need to learn how to speak to those situations, so, so distractions can become your desire, and you don't want that. I want God to be my desire. My main desire is him. My main desire is his word, who is him. To know his word, to be able to live out his word and to speak his word. So we need to get rid of those distractions. We need to, you know, we need to sometimes sit down you know, and take count Take an inventory of what you do in your 24-hour period. I'm sure, most a lot of people sleep. I sleep usually maybe five hours. That's about as much as I can get most of the time. Um, that's okay. I guess I, that's me. I've learned to live off of that. Every once in a while, the other night I had seven hours. I was like, oh, my goodness, what happened? Something happened. But, but what we need to do is take an inventory. What do I do all day? How do I spend my time? Am I spending, how much time do I spend with God and his word versus whatever it is you do? You know, anything can be a distraction. Even when you're um, in ministry, you can just get busy. You know, that's one of the things that we've tried to do this year. We're trying to get all the busyness pushed out the first of the year and then we can focus more on spiritual things because you, you end up here and the type church we have and we do a lot of things ourselves so we're just busy doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that and sometimes it's, it's very distracting we don't want that to become our desire right so we need to get rid of distractions this, the next one he talked about is the lure of wealth we got to remember in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says the love of money, the, the love of money, not the money, is the root of evil. Money's not evil within itself, but the love of it. If that's all you want to do, I want to make money, make money, make money, make money, make money, make money. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care who it pushes out of my way. I'm going to make all the money I can. And see, and in that process, people think that's going to make them happy. That's going to fulfill their life, but it doesn't. You come to a place where I've been doing this so many years. I got money and I got things, but I don't got anything else. What is it? Um, I'm just going to read a scripture to you. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. And that's Luke 6, 38. I read out of the New Living. Give and you receive. So my, 
we should want to, if we want to have wealth, we need to get it in perspective. Why do you want wealth? So you can cure more things? I want a new car, a new house, I want a new TV, I want the latest of this and the latest of that and this and that and this and that and this and that. I want to travel, I want to do this. Or do you want to, so you can give, give more? Peggy and I watched a little movie. Well, I mostly watched it. She didn't watch all of it, but somebody likes to fall asleep. I, I cut it off so she can see the rest of it. But it was, it was two people, a, a girl and a guy, and she, he, even though he was getting ready to and could have, but he didn't want to do it, to um, become head over his grandfather's company. He was a billionaire. He made billions of dollars. And he lived on this island, and he just loved it. He, loved, he was helping people build houses. He was doing all this stuff. And this girl that he knew as a kid came back, and guess what she was doing? Making that money. And so the only reason she came was if she got him to sign that paper, she made a whole lot of money. And I was just, it made me think about that, how two different people were. But she soon found out how happy he was and how unhappy she wasn't. And how long it had been since she'd had any fun or anything. See, when it comes to wealth and money, it all comes down to your priorities. You know, the world's way of prosperity and money is counterfeit. It's not God's way. God wants to bless you so you can bless others. Amen? And I found that out in my life that I can't outgive God. I've tried. Not really tried, but you know what I'm saying. I've given and given and given, and God just always keeps throwing it back because he knows what I'll do with it. Money, the, the, the world's wealth, the world's way of prosperity, it'll never bring you peace and it'll never make you happy. Maybe for a brief moment, but it'll never. So we got to put God first and make Him our priority, right? And guess what? When we have Jesus, when we have God, we have everything, guys. We have promise that can't be bought that. No matter what happens in this world, we win, guys. We win. We're going to be with him no matter what happens. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and distraction. Wow. You know what? The Word of God is so awesome. And just think how long ago it was written. And we see this today more than anything, more than ever, I guess. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You hear that word pierced? They've been stuck with that thorn of the lure of wealth and they've pierced themselves with it. And it stopped them from growing and becoming what God has them. 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19 says, Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. 
You know, God's word is so awesome. It's so awesome. It speaks to every part of us. And if we can learn to follow it instead of just, sometimes we quote it, we say it, we hear it. We go home, we go, that was so good. Praise the Lord, I'm glad of that. And we forget about it. See, my thing is to, if you can, take notes. You can get my notes and add more notes. You're going to have to add notes to them. If you don't like paper, just walk out there in the foyer. There's a QR code. You can click it. It'll pop to your phone or your iPad or whatever you got. Go home and listen to this over again. Not because I want you to hear me. Because I want you to hear what God's Word says. And begin to let it sink inside of you and become something real. And change the way you think. You might, you know, probably most of us in here did not have the intentions of you know, being wealthy like that. But you get caught up in the trap sometimes. You get caught up in that thing. Before you know it, you're in the midst of it. And then you're worrying. Because you know what a lot of people that have money do? They worry about losing it. Right? What if I lose it? What if I lose all this money? I, I, I had a friend that one time was so worried about losing his money. He He was a gambler. He gambled. He went to Las Vegas and got banned from some casinos because he won so much. He was so afraid someone was going to steal his money that he would sew it. He would take draperies and turn them up and sew it in the lining of the draperies. He put it in freezer. You remember the old freezer? He, put, he wrapped it up like steaks and put it in the freezer. He hid it everywhere he could because he was afraid he was going to lose it and somebody was going to get it. Well, he's probably used to losing some. But what I'm saying is like, Wow. So all that money he was winning did him a whole lot of good. The next one is passionate desires. Mark 4, 19, this is when Jesus was explaining. He said, and the passionate desires for all the other things creep in and choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Those passionate desires, those desires for things that you don't need, you, you, you let those distractions and things become so, you're so passionate about it. They become a passionate desire. You just got to do it. No matter, like I said a while ago, no matter what happens and no matter who you hurt to get what you want. You know, they have these schemes, these Ponzi schemes and all these kind of things that people do. Oh, if you just do this, how many got to be, you know, you got to be old to, of course, it's showing right now, but I watched it the other day. The Real McCoys. Anybody remember that old show? I watched it the other day. And little Luke, he was the little kid on there. He was very he had been going around buying getting bottles. People giving him bottles. He's coming, he was making money, he was doing this, and it came up where he could sell some tickets for this charity. And he went to the fair. And this guy had one of those little shooting target things. And he, he, he ended up getting all, all the money that guy had gotten for the tickets. Because that little kid, the more he did it, the more he thought it. And this guy, well, I'll give you this, and I'll give you that, and I'll give you that. I'll give you all this stuff, and then I'll buy it back from you for like $50. And back then, $50 is a whole lot of money. And the little kid ended up losing everything and was very distraught when he figured out what had happened. But he was pulled into that. And that guy... His passion and desire was to make money. He didn't care who it hurt. 
But Grandpa McCoy, I'll just shorten the story. He went and helped him. He went and got all his money back. Because he knew really how to shoot. But he knew how to do it. So anyway, your passionate desires. And so through all this, what we need to learn, to we got to pull out the thorns, guys. You might have to start one at a time. But what are those things that are making, what are those things that are distracting you? What are those things that are keeping you from from going forward. Where's the worries and the cares you need to get rid of? You know, you need to go and say, you know what, that thing right there, it's been hurting me so long I got to pull. You know how it hurts when you get a splinter? And, and then, especially when you get one that's been in there so long, you kind of really don't know exactly where it's at. And it really hurts. You can't touch it. You can't do it. You know, I used to get, from doing sheet metal work, I used to get metal splinters. They're worse than... <laughs> They're worse than the wooden ones. They're worse than those. But I remember having one. This might, my pig would tell me this was gross, but it, it had been in there so long and I couldn't figure out and I smashed and it shot out the end of my finger. It was a wooden one. I couldn't find it. But when it came out, it came out and there was immediate relief. Did you know that? There's immediate relief. The pain's gone. So we need to learn to pull out the thorns. Romans 12, 2. These are different ways to do it. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. Listen, our minds are, are, are the battlefield. Right? The enemy, the world, all this is pumped to our minds. But we get, when we renew our minds to God's word, then we can walk this way. Then you will learn how Learn to know God's world for you, will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. It's only then will we know that. It's only then will we know God's will. When we learn to renew our minds. We can only do that through God's word. We can only do that through worshiping and trusting him. Philippians 4.8. This is another Paul is telling you another way. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So what needs to be in our heart and our mind? The Word of God. We need to have thoughts, true thoughts, Honorable thoughts, right thoughts, pure thoughts, lovely thoughts, and admirable thoughts. That's what needs to be in our heart and our mind. We can only get that full package, if you want to say it, through God's Word. We can only think right. We can only be truly honorable. We can only be truly pure and truly lovely through God's Word. So we need that, those are things, that's how we do it. We focus on His Word. Hebrews 12, 2 and Amplified says, Looking away from all that will distract us. Look away from all that will distract us. Focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. The first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity. Who, for the joy of accomplishing the goal, set before him endured the cross, discarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, and strive after his kingdom and his righteousness. 
his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. All these things that it talks about that Christ has, all these things will be given to you also when I want to say when you focus on his word, when you make him and his word top priority. And what, you know, in this process, what we're doing, you know, in, 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 that, in that first thing of Mark, it talks about the good soil at the end. So what we're doing is we're making, maybe we had good soil at start and it's just got all this junk in it. So, you know, when planting a garden, I've done that all my life. And, you know, you can plant it. When you first plant it, it's beautiful, and things come up. But guess what starts growing up with it? All these weeds and grass and all kinds of things. And guess what you have to do? you got to go pull them out. you got to take a hoe and hoe them out or your tiller or whatever it is you use. But, you, you know, and there's always those. But if you just don't tend to it, if you don't keep the soil good, guess what's going to happen? All that's going to grow up, it's going to choke it out. And you won't have anything. So the good soil, that's what we're looking for, guys. We're looking for the good soil, right? Amen? And that's what we need to do. We, do you know, maybe your soil's gotten pretty bad, but you know what? All you got to do is start doing these things. All you got to do is start focusing back on God's Word, getting into His Word, get rid of the distractions, Get rid of the worries and the cares. Get rid of the lure of wealth. Get rid of all these things. And your soul will become good again. And you will start to flourish. And you won't be fruitless. You will grow fruit. The 20th verse of Mark says this. And the seed that fell on good ground, on good soil, represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So when we make our hearts right, wow, we see that harvest. And it, 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 it you know, 30 is not bad, right? You get 30 times, if I was investing money and I could get 30%, that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, Darren? I mean, it'd be awesome. How many people can even think about getting that nowadays? 40%. I mean, 60, double that, 60, or even 100 times. Wow, if you could put in $100 and get back $100, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. $10,000, whatever. Look, so what we got to do, guys, is we got to pull out the thorns. We have to pull out the thorns. Get rid of these distractions. Get rid of these worries and cares and doubts. Because, you know, as I said, they don't benefit you at all. Worry does never benefit anybody. It makes it worse. It makes you worse. It makes those around you worse because they don't want to hear it all the time. Right? So how many... Let's stand up this morning. How many of you guys um, might have a thorn or two you need to get rid of? I'm going to make you come and tell everybody. You know, God is, is he, he cares about us so much. He cares about everything about you. And you know what? He so much wants you. 
to learn these principles in his word. He wants you to learn not to worry, not to doubt, not to have cares about everything. You know, I don't know how God will take care of us, but he said he would, and so I believe him, and he will. Amen? I know there's principles in his word. If we do what he says, that we, there's benefits to it. And so we have to do that. And we can't depend on other people's faith, and we can't depend on other people doing it. It's not work. It's got to be you and in you and a part of who you are. I'm excited about what God has in store for us in 2022. I really am. I think he has some great things for each of us. And we just need to open up our hearts and our eyes. You know, we, we look at worldly, we look at things that, well, I just want to do this because I, I, this is what I want. Is it what God wants? Is it what's right? I want what God wants. Sometimes that's not what I would have chosen. <laughs> but it is what God wants. And God, you know, I've been a lot of different places. And I know that I'm where God wants me to be right now. And I know what God has good things in store for me and for this church and for the body of Christ. If we'll just open up our heart, yes, Jesus is coming. But that don't mean we stop doing what we're supposed to be doing. It means we ought to work harder. Amen? We ought to work harder. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your anointing and your power and your word. I thank you, God, for every person in this room. Lord, I just pray right now, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just fill us to overflowing. Lord, we've been praying through our fast for revival. I'm praying for revival of the gifts of the Spirit, a revival of the power of God to be manifested in this place, Lord, and, and that we begin to see people come to Christ like never before. And Lord, we'd be a part of ushering them in. We'd be a part of making them and being able to be dis disciple them and to make to help them grow, Father God, in your word. Thank you for what you got in store for us. Thank you for what you have in store for every person in this room. Lord, we just thank you and praise you. We lift you up and we give you all the praise and the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Today is missions offering. Remember, our bu missions buckets are at the back. And we have, just because we haven't been in Nicaragua in a couple years, don't mean we have stopped. We actually sent money just a while back to, to do some.